You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. Psalms 118, we have so much to be thankful for and to appreciate, especially living in America. We're living in a country like no other, and I've, I've traveled a little bit around the world, and I, I know some of you have, but there's no place like this place. As bad as it may seem at times, as troubled as your life may seem at times, there's no place like this place. In Psalms 118:1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, that you are good. And you think nothing but good thoughts towards us. For every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, for whom there is no shadow of turning. And today, as we open the word and as we appreciate the institution that you've made of motherhood, We'll be sure to give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Appreciation. So what does appreciation mean? So I went to my my source, Merriam-Webster's. It means a feeling of being grateful, an ability to understand the worth, quality, value or importance of something or someone. And this is clearly how we should view our mothers and motherhood. We should be grateful for our mothers. Why? Their determination in carrying you for nine months. I remember with our first child, I'm so glad at times God made me a man. I remember when my wife was pregnant in the summer. It was not any fun. I don't know about any of you ladies who have children, but do you remember being eight or nine months pregnant in the middle of summer? It was not a fun time. And you're trying to be a good husband. But there's just some kind of irritation that I'll never understand. We experienced it in the birthing room. You know, they teach you all those breathing techniques. You know, we went to those, what are the Lamaze classes or Lamaze class, whatever they are. Or is Lamaze the race and Lamaze is the, yeah, Lamaze is the, Lamaze is the race, right? Yeah. Okay. So the Lamaze classes. And they taught us how to breathe. You know, they teach you all this, these breathing techniques. I, I, did, I really didn't have to pay attention because every time I tried to coach my wife on how to breathe, She'd be like, you're too far away, you're too close, get out of here, I don't want refried air, I don't, you know, it's just like, I'll never understand the process that mothers go through carrying a child and and bringing it to fruition. Mothers are shielding, they're feeding, they, they labor, all the time bringing us into this world. I think I was watching a movie one time called Maverick, and, and uh, you know, it was one of the Harold areas, it was James Garner and Mel Gibson, right, in the new Maverick. And uh, he said, where would we be without mothers? And you think about that. And then he turns around and goes, yeah, but where would we be without fathers? Well, I guess you do need both, right? 
Um, but the fact is, is that mothers play a special role in our life. Statistically, in broken homes, mothers bear the weight of child rearing. More often than not, children are placed with or continue to live with with the mother. It's a unique station that God created. And as I said earlier, I really believe that, that God took the best parts of mankind when he formed woman. My wife is much more compassionate than I am. You know, it's easy to just kind of stereotypically say these things, but, you know, she, she is. And, and I may be physically stronger than her, but not when it comes to holding a child. I, have, I, I don't understand this, how she can pick up, you know, a 20-pound child and carry it for three or four hours. I'm tired after five minutes. Mothers play a significant part in the family unit. So what is the worth, value, and importance one could assign to a mother? Moms never diminish in value. Go with me over to John chapter 15, verse 13. It says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down their own life for his friends. And I, I would say that this is truly a picture painted of mothers who lay down their lives, put their own lives many times on hold, do whatever it takes to make sure their children have the opportunity, have what's best for them. What value or importance can you bestow on someone who sets aside their own life to ensure the best life that they can give you? Moms are not perfect. They don't always make the right choices. I, I remember this, too, from having kids. They deal with some kind of chemical response to childbearing that I'll never understand. Some people suffer from what they call postpartum blues, which are, are chemicals in the body. I never experienced that. I felt the same when I went into the birthing room as I did when I came out. Except for the one time my wife set the bed down on my foot and crushed it. I think that was on kid number two. I was asleep in the chair with my feet, you know, under those beds that go like this. And she went the down button, and my foot was in there. I remember that one. That woke me up quick. Like, pay attention. So I'll never understand what, what my mom went through, or I'll never understand completely and be able to totally empathize with my wife or my, my uh, daughter-in-laws because I haven't had to experience what she's been through. But even in their imperfections, and with the difficult decisions that they have to make many times. I believe that mothers, even when they make wrong decisions, do it because they're thinking of the betterment of their, of their child. Many are self-sacrificing, laboring long hours to ensure that we're fed and cared for. And I know that, that there is a, a picture of my mom. When I was very young, my, my dad left, and my mom was left with us children. And though she was able to get on some government assistance, 
My family has always believed in, in working, and so she went to work part-time, and you know, a good portion of that, I'm sure, was, was paid to babysitters to take care of us kids, but she worked hard to try to provide for us, and you know, she went into food services, so she was waiting tables and, and, and would bring food home from the restaurant. The, the owners of the restaurant would let her bring food home at the end of the, at the, end of the night. She did what needed to be done. Training and teaching, moms play a monumental role in teaching their children. I think my, mom, my, my wife was a much better teacher. We homeschooled our kids for many, for many years. And my wife was a much better teacher than I was. In fact, is my wife would sometimes leave the kids with me for school and have things that she'd have to do. And she said, I'd come home and the kids are all out running all over the yard and you're and they're sleeping on the couch or whatever. And um, I was like, well, I told them what to do. And my wife has always been big on you have to show children. And I look back and think about how mom would show us how to do things, even for making things like Christmas ornaments. I remember, you know, I, we didn't go out and buy glass, these glass, fancy glass ornaments. We'd buy these little styrofoam balls at the discount store. And we'd put little pins in them with, with little beads and We'd make our Christmas ornaments, but mom took the time to instruct us and show us how to do things like that. Mom spends specific and significant amount of time of their own life imparting in to their children. A godly mother imparts wisdom and grace to her children. I'm so glad that my wife is a godly woman. Back to she's down in the children's department right now and partying into children. And she has done that with grace because she, she truly, not only our children, but other children in the community, the kids that would come to children's church and, and in the youth group over all of the years, and, and, and whether it's this, this congregation or the other congregation where we pastored, she's always trying to pour into them, always mothering, always trying to impart, always trying to make better. And I believe that that seed is on the inside of most women. And many times the only description of the process in which a mother goes through and the impartation that she leaves could be described as miraculous. Because you couldn't write a textbook that really shows how to, to utilize the gift that God has, you, has for you. I mean, Dr. Spock tried and many others have tried, but there's something inside uh, of the, the born-again spirit where the Holy Spirit is helping to teach and train your children. And that's the way God had designed it. In Psalms 9.1, it says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with telling about our mom's marvelous works. I think they deserve. Not for pride's sake. Not so we can say, oh, look, look what I did. Look at how great I am but to honor you for fulfilling the station that God gave you in life. For me, like some of you here today, mom and grandma are both gone home to our eternal kingdom. For my mom, it'll be, this July will be one year. This is my first mother, Mother's Day without her, but I want to honor her anyways because she really did 
in part into somebody who can sometimes be a little bit stubborn. Well, my wife might tell you there's a little more than sometimes. But I, I can. I'm, I'm a little dogmatic. I'm A-type a personality, you know. And um, I don't know how you say this, but um, I, I don't look at things as right and wrong. I look at them as my way and then the other way, you know. So, um, <laughs> so I'm sure that I was a challenge for mom. But now we have great memories and stories of a childhood long since past and of adulthood for which mom prepared not only me, but your mom prepared you for. As my mom prayed, I truly hope that, that, that if your mom didn't pray for you, that you are a praying mom for your kids. And now my mom is not here to, to pray with and, and for me, but I'm sure that she's in the eternal kingdom looking down at her faith's work. I look around and see many who are also moms themselves. Some whose moms are still with us in this life. And many of you are mothers yourself. So you have an important station in life. Why do we take the time and, 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 and present you with flowers and, and do all these things? And why, why did we take the time to give you all my water? This was all in my office. When you come ask me for water, I'm not going to have any more. No, why do we take the time to, to honor? Because you deserve, you deserve the honor. Being a mother is not something to take lightly. I mean, biblically, it's why God set boundaries around marital relationships and rearing children to train them up in the way they should go. There's a reason for that, because God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your children's life. God is about legacy. You know, in America, we're so focused, like on McDonald's. You know, you order here, you pay here, and then you pick up here. And, and sometimes we want to raise our kids like that. We, you, know, you know, we meet, we have kids, then we get married. And then what do we do? We put them... In daycare, and I'm not, I'm not against that, but I mean, but, but this is kind of the pattern. We put them in daycare, and then we get old enough to school, we put them in school so that we can have two jobs, so that we can continue to pay on stuff we couldn't afford to buy in the first place. But see, God has a plan and a pattern. And that's why we spend time here biblically looking at, at, at how to, to enact, how to do the Word of God, because it's important, and mothers need that. And for those of you godly mothers that are in this place, the mothers that are coming up, the young ladies who, who, who are going to be mothers someday, need you. They need you to train them. The older need to train the younger. And I know that when you're 18, 19, and 20, you know everything. I know it. I got it. But trust me, mom still has a little bit of wisdom, which you will greatly appreciate when you're in your 30s and 40s. Now, I can't speak about daughters because I've only had three sons, but I remember when my son was 14 or 15, he knew everything. Dad knew nothing, you know. Now, I have to say my oldest son is well-studied, so he's a very smart kid, but, but at least now he'll ask things of me. When he was 14 and 15, he didn't have to ask anything of me. He knew it all. Don't take that approach. 
Draw from the experience. Draw from the wisdom that your mother, that your grandmother, that your great-grandmother has. You know, you don't have to do things exactly how they did it. But there are principles that they've learned over time that serve very well. I know there's those who have grown up motherless, and it's, it's unfortunate that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to try to steal away the life before it's reached its full potential, and to destroy family units. But there is good news. Jesus came to fill that hole, to fill that void. Whatever void you may be experiencing, saying, hey, it's Mother's Day, and I feel real bad because my mother's not here. Jesus is the filler of the whole. He can bring peace when there seems to only be sadness. In Psalm 68, 5, it says that God is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. See, that principle is that not only is God a father to the fatherless, but he also has everything that you would find in your mother available to you. So you literally could say he can mother the motherless. Remember, he created mankind, male and female. Everything you are came from God. And he has the ability to fill that void, that vacuum. And he can do something that nobody else can. He can turn your mourning into joy. It says he gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He is just waiting for you to say, help. And that's sometimes what your mom and grandmother are waiting for. They're just waiting for you to go, help. Hey, how did you handle this situation? What did you do in this situation? And the nice thing about being in a, in a church or in a fellowship, there are lots of mothers. So maybe your birth mother is not available, but God has designed the church to be a support system for each other so that we can be there to help in times of trouble. So we can be there at a time of help and support. And how many times do mothers do that very same thing as a help and support to their children? I don't know about you, but I remember, you know, when I'd skin my knee, mom was there. When there was a broken relationship or friendship, mom was there. When I'd fail that test I had to pass, mom was there. Mom always seemed to have a way. Away with prayer, a kiss, a hug, or a popsicle. Mom always seemed to have a way. Now, your mom may do things a little bit differently, but they're always looking for a way to help you be better, to help you feel better, to help you experience better, to help your future be better. And only a mother can do that. My kids, they'd come to me with a skinned knee, and I'd say, rub it off. Well, that's what I was taught. I remember playing football with my older brother. You know, I felt like my arm was broke, and he'd say, just rub it out. Oh, I can't walk. Well, just walk it off. Hey, I can walk it off. I can't walk. Mom never told me those kind of things. So my kids learn pretty quick. If you want to have a little bit of compassion, you've got, to to you've got to go to mom. You go to dad, he's going to say, well, just buck it up, son. I remember one time we had some friends over, and um, their daughter was playing with our sons, and we had stairs. 
Now, remember, I'm raising three boys. I'm used to them falling, bouncing, jumping on each other, falling off bunk beds, you know. Their daughter did a cartwheel down the stairway. I mean, it was hilarious. I wish I had it on video. This would have got a million hits on YouTube. I mean, she, perfect. Her legs and arms were in a perfect symmetrical pattern as she went down the stairs. And when she hit the, when she hit, you know, I, have a, I had a tendency to laugh. Well, they jumped all, I said, look, kids bounce, she'll be okay, you know, <laughs> and she was, there was carpet on the stairs, they weren't tiled, you know, thank God for mothers, mothers typically don't let their children walk out on ledges, climb on bridges, jump from tree to tree, good thing for mothers. 1 Corinthians 1 4 says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. I thank God for the grace that, that has been given to mothers. There is a certain favor that's upon your life. It just seems to me that mom was better at communicating things to people who were not very happy. And they typically would bring their tone down because of her tone. I don't have that same gift of grace. I have had to tell a few people in my office, look, this is a no yelling zone. You're not going to yell at me in here. <laughs> you know, we'll have this conversation. But my, my mom, she had the gift of that grace to be able to communicate things. My wife, I remember watching her. In the early days, the, the, the ability to, to communicate and talk people out of things, it's grace. Something that I think God gives a mom for survival. Well, we don't quite need that anymore, but, uh, but it's something different than what I was given. And it's something that, that, that is awe-inspiring to me, the grace that's been upon my wife's life and upon my mom's life when I look. My mom didn't get born again until she was in her 40s. So I grew up until I was 14 years old in, in a home that, that, that knew God. I mean, we we'd attended the Catholic Church when I was a kid. My mom was deeply entrenched in the Catholic Church, I would say. We went all the time. I got sent to Catholic school. Like I was saying yesterday, I spent some time in the nunnery. You make it to the nunnery, it's not a good thing. When your parents are called and they're meeting you in that building. But when they kicked mom out of the Catholic church, she didn't lose her appreciation or understanding or love of God. She just lost her membership to the Catholic church. And when she found out that she could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in her 40s, it changed her life forever. She turned into a woman of prayer, a woman of compassion. And so I encourage you, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, get into a deep relationship with him. If you've never met him, the Bible says those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He is looking for an opportunity to be able to fellowship, to instruct, to teach us all. And I thank God that I had a, a, a godly mother from that point and that he had preserved me and kept me because I needed her grace when I was in high school. I mean, I know some of you, you've told me your stories. 
Your kids need that grace working in your family. When you experience that kind of love from you know, a mom, you become appreciative of it. Now, I have to admit, like my oldest son, I was not very appreciative of it when I was 14, 15, 16, and 17. Okay, I kind of grew into that appreciation. Because kind of like my oldest son, I thought I knew pretty much everything. I didn't have a dad really around the house anymore. You know, it was just mom and, and uh, you know. But I have learned to appreciate the struggles, the challenges. You know, even in our society, and at least there's a discussion about it now in our society, about the equality, the, the ability for, for women to have the same, same rights. Um, you know, women have the right to vote, but you know, my understanding is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that the constitutional amendment in the United States to give women the right to vote never actually got adopted. It's just states changed the right. Well, why in the world would you need a constitutional amendment for somebody who plays an equal station in life? Doesn't make any sense to me. But now at least there's a talk about some equality, the fact that, that just because somebody is a female instead of a male, that if they're doing the same job with the same quality and the same, they should have equal opportunity. At least there's some discussions. And I'm excited about that because I think God has created an equal opportunity in environment in His Word. I won't say in religion, but in His Word. He's created an equal opportunity environment for all of us. And I'm so glad that he has placed grace into play. And again, my mother had great grace for me. And I'm so glad. Because I would not have liked military school. I don't think that would have been real good. Appreciation is a choice. Appreciation is a choice. It's finding the best in someone. It's overlooking the faults and shortcomings to see their potential and their love's intent. And I think we can do that. I think we can really appreciate. You say, well, you don't know what my mom did when she was growing up. I can tell you that if you get to the point of forgiveness and walk in the love of God towards your mother and start seeing the best in your mother, and see the potential that she has, that that'll change. You may be the very thing, your life may be the very witness that your mother or grandmother need. In 1 Thessalonians 5.12 it says, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you, and who are over you in the Lord, and admonish you. That is very fitting of, my, of a mother. Their job was to admonish you. Their job was to correct you, to train you. They were over you. Every time when I was a kid and I thought mom wasn't over me, I got a checkup. But it was needed because it shaped my life. It has taught me that there's boundaries in life. That there's responsibilities in life. That, that there's a right and a wrong. And contrary to popular belief, there is a right and a wrong. And thank God that mothers can step in and play a big role in communicating that. They should be honored. 
They need to be recognized. And that's what we're doing today, moms, is we're recognizing the goodness that God has made in you. So it is fitting for mothers as they labor tirelessly in love for us. God set them in the family over us and will continue to honor them. This appreciation that we have should be revealed in the spirit of thankfulness. I'm very thankful for mothers, and, and, and not just mine. I mean, I see you know, what mothers are doing with their kids, the, the issues they have. It's not always easy. Some of them have to deal with kids who have made some decisions and ended them, landed them in prison. Some of them have to make some you know, issues with decisions that landed them in hospitals. Some have to uh, deal with issues where kids have made decisions that have landed them in, in rehabs. But they, have to ha- they, they need that grace. Moms have to deal with it. It is taxing. But thank God for the grace. Thank God for the ability. I, I am so thankful that my mom never gave up on my brothers. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, it says, in everything give thanks. And I think my mom could do that. She could give thanks when she was being ripped off by her own kids. She wasn't happy about it, but she was thankful every time that they would come back, every time that they would repent, every time that they would end up in church, every time she was thankful, and I'm thankful for them. Let me close out with this, just a little history on Mother's Day. This day of celebration, Mother's Day, it began in the late 1500s in the UK as the early Christian festival called Mothering Sunday. This was a time when people recognized, appreciated, and expressed thankfulness for their mothers. Modern American Mother's Day dates back to the early years before the Civil War, 1861 through 1865 as days when mothers would help other mothers. It was more of a mentoring, day of mentoring. These gatherings or clubs also aided in the reunification of a divided America after the Civil War. Mother's Day became a way of honoring the sacrifices mothers made for their children. And in May of 1908, the first official Mother's Day celebration was held in a Methodist church in Grafton, West Virginia. Following the success of the first Mother's Day, the day was set for personal celebration between mothers and families and included wearing white carnations as a badge and visiting one's mother or attending church services. By 1912, many states and towns and churches had adopted Mother's Day as an annual holiday. And in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson signed a measure officially establishing the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. And then leave it to the the ingenious people in business to come up with cards and flowers and all kinds of different things around Mother's Day to monetize the holiday. Amen? So let me me read this closing prayer found in Numbers 6.24 over our mothers today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Amen. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwab. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.